And we begin Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Jamie Heisman joins us, a nationally known psychotherapist and expert on addictions and on caregiving. Carol Zerniel, Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, past Chairman of the Board of the, Direct- of the National Council on Aging, joins us as well as another one of our co-hosts. Carol Zerniel, you've got a great topic. Yes. Um, so, Dr. Jamie, um, I've been working with caregivers. There's so much stress out there. There's so much news out there. It's overloading all of us. So it's it's become too much for so many caregivers. It's it's gotten to the point where they're overloaded with caregiving. They're overloaded with, with pandemic and elections and everything. How does a caregiver know when they can't do it anymore? How do we know enough is enough? You know, Carol... It's truly like working with a, uh, a partner of an addict or an alcoholic or somebody who has a personality issue. It's so amazingly similar. And I know for those who are not clinicians, that's not going to help much. So let me kind of give you the, what it looks like to be a partner of an addict or an alcoholic because it's almost exactly like being a caregiver that's totally exhausted and cannot do any more. They have a a feeling of of a role confusion, a lack of energy, uh, overwhelming fatigue, uh, a feeling of literal sickness. That's not just mind sickness, but it's body sickness, cold, autoimmune issues. You you actually literally feel yourself falling apart because you're neglecting your own needs. Um, They have an inability to relax when they feel helpless and hopeless. And worst of all, there's a huge increase in irritability. So... They're constantly taking the bait of their loved one and running with it. So when all of this happens, all of it, I mean, we do call it caregiver burnout. There is an absolute name for it. But it's also being a partner of somebody who, unfortunately, is in need of services but is also falling apart around us. So it's almost combustible. So when you're feeling all that as a caregiver, you know you can't go on. Or you know you have to break the glass in case of emergency and do something different. And what would something different be? Well, for me, something different is always get some help, get some emotional help, emotional support. So I would say immediately, you know, contact obviously your loved ones. There's an immediate issue with caregivers that's not like the person I just described. The immediate issue is how do I take care of my loved one? Okay, if it's an addict or an alcoholic, they need to take care of themselves. They need to feel their bottom. They need to get help. But for a caregiver, they have to do something, a little task with their caregivers. So the first thing I would do is contact the family. I would put the family around and say, look, these things are falling by the wayside. I'm overwhelmed. I cannot do this anymore. Who can pitch in while I step back and, A, call my therapist, B, call a geriatric care manager, C, go to a support group and find out literally what direction I can go in, or even D, so I can stop all these self-defeating behaviors of smoking and trancing out using food or, or addictions. So the first thing you do is set the family together and say, who can fill in this vacuum that I no longer can? That's number one. And what do you do with the guilt that comes with saying that, uh, saying, I'm failing at this, I can't do this, I'm overwhelmed, and then, I'm a failure. Absolutely. And that's what we do. We talk to ourselves. It's almost like we have the victim and judge inside of us. And guilt is always happening for really doing what you believe may be the wrong thing to do. All right? 
catch that one because when you feel like you're not doing enough and you're a failure, that's not really what's going on. You really are grounded. You are doing enough, okay? But it's a no-win situation, and it puts you into an unnecessary strain. So guilt, if you will, like you're saying, uh, Ron, as I've often said in this, in this segment, is a function of really lower self-esteem, not feeling good about yourself. So, A, again, you have to get the family engaged, step back, and say, what can I do for my own self-esteem, my own self-worth, my own self-care to get back into this game called life? You've just joined us. You're listening to Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman and our co-host, Carol Zerniel, talking about when that caregiver reaches a point, they don't think they can do it anymore. And, Carol, with with the news of uh, COVID-19 and Uh, the incredible numbers of deaths. More and more of us know someone now who has died of of COVID-19. And you're right, for many, uh, that's the straw that's breaking the camel's back. Well, I mean, it's one thing if you have a loved one and you're going to medical appointments. Well, now all of a sudden the medical appointment seems like the scariest thing you have ever encountered. You know, it's the biggest risk you have and you have to keep doing it again and again and again. Because you've got lots of medical appointments. Uh, And so depending on where you are, what's going around in your community, this leaves you feeling very, very vulnerable and adds exponentially, I think, to the stress that the caregivers just normally feel with the day-to-day caregiving duties. So, Jamie, how do they get that off their back? So the fear. So you all just say. Right. Carol's point, she's 100% correct. So all of a sudden now, this new loneliness. Yeah, fear is the gig. And so fear is what? False evidence appearing real. So really, what happens with COVID, which you just described, is it increases the sense of loneliness that the caregiver has. So the caregiver already in this world has shrunk to a great degree. And now what we're confusing is social distancing for emotional sort of detachment. So what we cannot do is fall into that trap because what Carol says is so critically important. We do have to, A, get our loved one to a doctor. But listen, pretend like if you're a caregiver that you are your loved one. How about you getting to see, you know, a doctor? How about you getting to see a therapist? Suddenly, you know, you're taking care of a family member here and this loneliness or this isolation becomes huge. So you cannot yourself fall and succumb to this world of social detachment when we're talking about social distancing. And you have to. You just have to put yourself first. And I hate to keep saying but you have to take that oxygen first. But you do. So what do you, you what know? do you do if the what do you do if the if the caregiver doesn't realize that's the hole they're in? Well, that's an interesting thing because uh, that's often is the case. We don't have self-worth. We don't have the self-value to really take care of ourselves. We don't know that this is not normal. And that's why long before this occurs, I hope you've already connected the dots in terms of involving your, A, your biological family, to your family of origin, so you have people around you that can hold you kind of constant, whether it's an in-person support group, which is more seldom during COVID now, or an online support group. So you really don't know what you don't know, especially if your self-worth and self-value is there. So you have to surround yourself with people to do reality checks. Ask them. This is the most important thing. Ask them to be involved in the process, to literally reflect back to you what they're perceiving in you. What is normal? Am I changing? And if you, and if you can't even ask that question, I hope to gosh that those people you've surrounded yourself with can volunteer and do that intervention on you. 
It's very interesting. Well, and I think you bring up, yeah, you bring up a good point that if you're falling apart these days, if, you know, on the telephone, because we're not in person as much anymore. And so, you know, we have to, to lean in and ask questions. Are you doing okay? We can't forget that conversation with the caregiver um, as family members to make sure that we're checking on them, making sure they're doing okay and uh, in, in helping them to make other non-caregiving connections that may be harder to come by these days. That's so true, Carol. And here's the problem, okay? And it has to do with the same thing as, as partners of people that I described earlier, is that a lot of times people fall off. They, they don't want to be a part of the drama. They don't call you as often because they know literally when they do, they'll be sucked in. That's why it's so critical for a caregiver to keep their family engaged and involved, whether that's through a teleconference with a third party, like a geriatric care manager or a social worker, or, or in any way. You have to be able to communicate because the one group that cannot fall off, that should not fall off, is obviously the family. That could be your brother, your sister, an aunt, an uncle, somebody. And so that is family members cannot flee as many do. So reality is that people do run away when we get into that sort of hole and that pit. But that's why it's so important if you're a caregiver to involve your family of origin. And if you don't have a family of origin, involve the, the family of choice. Got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. Dr. Jamie Heisman, thank you. Carol Zernio, thank you. Good topic. Take 10. We come to you in our podcast every week. Tune in. Give a listen. 